Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to Game Day Birds Not Balls. My name is Micah Burgess. I'm a birth doula in Waco, Texas, and I am so glad you joined me today. So I've been doing a series, and hopefully many of you have been able to listen to them and are getting something out of it, um, and it is What a Doula Knows. And so as I record these different episodes, I'm, I've been thinking a lot about what is it that people need to know about? What do they not know? Okay. That's a big one, especially with first time moms. It's like, I don't know what I don't know. And it's so true. You don't. So anyway, today, <clears throat> what I want to talk about is a little bit different than maybe what you're expecting to hear from a doula. And I want to talk about C-section births, a cesarean actually is where the C comes from. Um, and first, what I want to say right up front is that if you are having a cesarean delivery, more than likely, there's a medical reason for that. And I hope, I pray that you are in um, a local area where you have um, OBGYNs that care about you and your well-being and that they want what's best for you and that you are being treated with respect and that you're having major surgery because there is a reason for having it. Okay. So for this conversation, we're going to assume that's the case. All right. So here's what I would want you guys to know and understand about a C-section. Like I said, first of all, it is major surgery. Okay. They are going to cut you open and they're going to pull your baby out. Right. That, that's how that works. Okay. You're not going to deliver vaginally. Um, and so that takes time, uh, to prep that takes time. Uh, actually it doesn't take a lot of time to get the baby out. That's actually pretty quick, but then sewing you back up and, you know, putting everything back <laughs> together, that takes some time for sure. And then of course, um, recovery takes some time from major surgery, right? So that's the first thing you need to know. It's, it's not this little laparoscopic, whatever. I mean, it is major surgery. Okay. Uh, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing that I think you need to know and understand is kind of how this looks for most people. So, <clears throat> yes, there are planned cesareans. Um, that's not what I'm going to talk about today. There are reasons for that. Um, and if that is you, if that's something that you are planning on doing, then, again, make sure that you've got a really great caregiver, a really great doctor that um, is able to explain the good reasons for you to be having a scheduled C-section. But most of the time when we talk about a C-section, we're talking about probably um, an emergency type situation. Maybe it's not like knocking on the door life-threatening if we don't get this baby out in two minutes, they're going to die. So that's what the movies like make it seem like. 
Um, and I've been to a lot of births and I've had several clients end in a C-section and there's really only been one where it's like, nope, we're done. We got to get out of here now. Got to get baby out one. And even with that one, by the time they, um, got this mama back to the OR, um, baby's heart rate started climbing back up to a, um, a more acceptable rate. It wasn't um, as dangerous as when they first wheeled her back there. So even then they were able to still have a conversation knowing that baby was okay. So even in that scenario, it wasn't as life threatening as, as you might see. That's not to say there's not life threatening situations where you have got to get in there immediately and get that baby out there. There are. Okay. Um, but for the most part, um, what I have found, what I've witnessed with my clients, um, and myself, I mean, if you've heard any of my podcast episodes, I have referred to my micro preemie, uh, Levi, um, my baby, my sixth child. He is 13 years old now. Yeah, my little micro preemie, preemie, 2.2 pounds, uh, and uh, born at 27 weeks. So even in that scenario, when they came in that day, I'd been um, hospitalized for two weeks um, because I was bleeding for like three months. And now I'm losing amniotic fluid. So the assumption is that I was going to be going into labor at any moment. Um, and so they checked me in and sure enough, I stayed pregnant for like two weeks. So thankful. That's, that's a God thing y'all. Um, and so the day that I did have the C-section, they came in that morning. They, you know, do, they run tests and take, take your blood and do all kinds of stuff while you're there, just making sure that everything's okay. And this particular day, um, they came in and said, hey, listen, you're starting to lose your clotting factors and the concern you're at this dangerous level now. I don't even remember what the number was, but, you know, there's a number that if you keep dropping or raising or whatever it was, um, the closer you get to it, the more dangerous it is. And so they're like, listen, if you go into spontaneous labor, the concern is that we won't be able to stop the bleeding. Um, that's a big deal. And so I wasn't happy about it. I'll, I'll be honest. I was like no, 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 no. This baby needs to stay in my womb to grow, to get healthier, to get bigger, to develop all of that good stuff. But you know, again, um, that's a life threatening issue to the mom if you can't stop the bleeding. Right. So there was a conversation is my point. They came in, they told me the situation. We weren't rushing around. Um, there, you know, I wasn't happy that we were going this route, but there also wasn't this feeling that my life or my son's life was in imminent danger if he was not born immediately. Um, so even in that, that was my experience too. Um, and so most of the time, um, what I've witnessed is, you know, as we've been laboring um, for a while, let's say with a mom, and there could be any number of reasons why we're bringing up a C-section. Um, one of the biggest ones is how baby is responding to the whole birth process. And, you know, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about, um, the heart rate, but there are, you know, D cells and variations and, you know, your doctor and your nurse are watching those things and there is healthy, um, variations and there are not healthy variations. I mean, the, the baby's heart rate is your best indication of what is going on and if everything's okay. So, you know, if baby's heart rate is dropping or shoots up and starts racing or whatever, 
they're going to start looking into what potentially is happening to baby because of whatever's going on in the birth situation. Um, so that's a great indication. So mo uh, most of the C-sections anyway that I've been a part of, that has been the reason. Baby is is declining. Baby's no longer doing well. Um, there have been a few other situations where um, mom has been laboring for however long it's been, 24, potentially 48 hours, and she's not progressing at all. Um, baby's not dropping. Um, mom is not dilating. And your body essentially has stopped. Um, meds are not working anymore. And so, you know, they're going to, it's a failed, maybe a failed induction. Maybe you were induced. Um, and maybe not. Maybe you went into labor on your own. And, and for whatever reason, this just isn't happening. And oftentimes, you know, your doctor can't tell you in the moment, hey, I know this is what's happening. But once they do go in and, and do the cesarean, they're able to determine what the issue was, you know, you know, baby's head was running right into that pubic bone. I mean, like there's a literal bruise on their forehead and, and babies presenting brow, meaning they're going to be born with their eyebrows basically first. That's not how babies come out. They come out on the top of their head, not forehead. Um, that's a very, very difficult delivery. And they usually, if they're presenting brow they're not vaginal they are c-section so maybe when they go in to do the c-section they can determine that that it's position a baby um maybe it's mom's anatomy and how her hips are shaped um where the cervix ended up being uh placenta is there's i don't even know how many different reasons there could be um oftentimes it has to do with the cord um you know, you hear about, you know, babies um, maybe that are stillborn because the cord um, was in a knot or wrapped around their neck and it cut off their oxygen, right? But I'll tell you, I mean, I've seen many babies being born and the cord is around their neck, but it doesn't mean they are in danger. It didn't mean that the oxygen was cut off. So just because that happens doesn't automatically mean that there is a dangerous situation. But, you know, if the cord is wrapped around baby in an odd way. I mean, I've, it could be around their leg. I've seen that before too. And if it's pinched enough, um, and when you, you know, think about when you're contracting that tightness and now baby's trying to descend and now that makes everything even tighter. And so, you know, depending on the position of baby and they're pinching that cord, then yeah, oxygen would not be getting to baby. And obviously that's a, that's a big deal. And heart rate would determine that. And so I've, I've been, if I was going to be honest, I've been thankful that with pretty much every C-section that I've been involved with, with clients, there seems to have been a reason why um, that baby was not being able to be born vaginally. Um, one of my moms uh, developed this uh, case, and it's called PUPS disease, and essentially, P-U-P-S, and essentially it is a rash that, and it's pregnant women, believe it or not, PUPS specifically, pregnant women and they developed this rash. They don't know why they developed this rash. And, you know, it just kind of starts as just a normal rash, but then it begins to spread all over your body. And this particular client of mine, I mean, we're talking about months of no sleep and, um, can't function, can't have clothes on her body because it's just that irritating. And it started spreading like, into her <laughs> vagina and her feminine areas. And that is, 
it's swelling. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, the decision was made, Hey, it's time for this mom to not be pregnant anymore. Right. Um, and so sometimes that is a, that is a reason, you know, there's something else going on. Um, maybe it's high blood pressure on the mom and what they want to try to do is induce, um, rather than do major surgery. I mean, the OBs in my area, that is their go-to first is to induce. Um, but because of the meds that they are giving to a mom to help bring her blood pressure down, um, it, it can fight with maybe the Pitocin to get, you know, labor started. Um, the magnesium is typically what it is. Uh, magnesium drip that is supposed to help with that blood pressure. It makes you feel really lousy. Like you have the flu, you know, nobody wants to be in labor and have the flu <laughs> and be on Pitocin. And then they start the epidural. I mean, that's a lot that's a lot happening. And so for a lot of these moms, it that's just too much. Like this is not the birth experience I was hoping for that I was looking for. And, and it does in the moment seem like, I think surgery is a better option. And, and you know what, you guys, this is where I'm going to step in and say, you have to do what is best for you and your baby, right? And if, your scenario and the way your birth is going is wreaking havoc on your body, your mind, your emotions, your, your everything. And the experience is becoming terrible and potentially even traumatic. I mean, I have heard some women say that delivering vaginally was more traumatic for them than having a C-section. Listen again, my goal is for women to have a positive birth experience. And who am I to say what that is for every woman? Y'all, it can't be just one way. There's, it, it can't, it can't just be one way. And so here's my biggest reason why I wanted to talk about C-sections is to kind of lay out a little bit for you um, what to expect, what this is going to look like. And if we're talking about, um, if your caregiver starts to bring up the potential for a C-section, they're probably going to mention it relatively early on, give you time to process and, and think about it and, and come to the conclusion. Cause we want, I want, I want for my clients to go, yeah, you know what? The more I think about it, this is the best course. This is what we need to do. Yeah. Let's go get baby. That is where I want my clients to be and not feeling like they're fighting to the bitter end um, to keep from having a C-section, you know? Um, I, I don't want women to feel like something's being done to them if they're if they're not feeling hurt or if they're like, I don't think there's a reason here for a C-section. You know, I, I you know, my prayer is that every woman feels heard in this birthing process and that a decision is made together with your caregiver, um, with your loved one that is best for you, right? So that, that is my hope. And so, you know, there should be this conversation and trying, you know, kind of dissecting what the problem is, maybe even guessing why we think we're headed this way. But then the process, um, once the decision is made, hey, this is what we're going to do, then everything kind of shifts. Um, if you had been on Pitocin, they're probably going to shut that off. But you may be in active labor and you may you're probably, I mean, you're still in labor, right? You're still going to be having those contractions, um, until they give you that epidural, until they give you that relief or spinal tap, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, you're going to feel those in, in the process of being prepped for surgery. Um, and you are being prepped for surgery. You you know, they're going to shave all the hair in that area to make sure it's all good and clean. Um, you got the little 
funny little surgical hat on and um, everything's going to be sterile. You're uh, wheeled into another room um, where it's bright lights and it's not a bed. It's a table. Let's be honest. Um, you're going to get on this really cold table and you've got an anesthesiologist in there that's talking you through, Hey, I'm going to give you some medication. And you know, they put me to sleep. Um, I was not awake for it. I, can I just be 100% honest? I'm kind of glad. I just don't think I'm built to be awake from a major surgery. So And now, a word from our sponsors. There's my confession. You can judge me. It's okay. I, I don't care. But I'm kind of glad at the end of the day that I was put to sleep. My husband was not because that meant he couldn't go in there with me um, if someone um, is put to sleep. Um, he could be in there if I was awake. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but... There you go. So he couldn't be in there. That was disappointing for him. And we actually didn't know that that's what was going to happen until it was like they're wheeling me back. And they're like, by the way, we have to go vertical, old school, not the cute little bikini horizontal cut. Because if we're concerned about her bleeding out, this is a quicker way to get baby out and to sew her back up. So that's the whole reason why they're doing the C-section in the first place. So yes, that makes sense. So, but if you're, so if you're going to sleep, then your anesthesiologist and is talking to you about what's going to happen once you are asleep. And then you, you know, they're like, okay, here comes the meds. Start counting backwards from 10. And I think I got to like eight and I, next thing I know I'm waking up in recovery. So weird. It's so bizarre. So bizarre. Um, but for a lot of you, you know, you are awake. They're going to wheel you back there by yourself first. And so um, if you have a spouse with you, they're going to wait in that labor and delivery room um, until you are completely prepped on the table. And as soon as your loved one walks in, then they will make the incision. But everything else is done. Everything else is set up. They don't want an extra body in there unnecessarily while they're trying to get all that stuff together. And and I get it. For a lot of my clients, um, it's very hard on them to be wheeled away from their spouse. It's very hard on the spouse. Like, I want to be in there with her. I don't want her to be doing this by herself, which is understandable. And yeah, I get that. Um, but that is the reason why is because there's already so many moving parts to prepare someone for major surgery. Um, and so basically what happens is your care, your, your loved one will walk in and literally stand or sit right beside your head <laughs> and then it's go time. Now they're going to, you know, do the incision and you know, you're not going to feel the incision obviously, but your body is kind of being moved around because they're pulling a baby out and there's kind of this shifting a little bit of shaking um and so your body is being moved and so you're going to hear some of that which is odd you're going to hear some of their uh their tools that they're using um a lot of women a lot of people smell um burnt flesh um as they're trying to cauterize different things sew things up and so there's a lot going on um for the most part there is like a either a plastic cover, it could potentially be see-through so that if you want to see, um, you can, most people don't like they, no, 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 
I don't want to see. <laughs> That's most people, which I get. Um, and so there could just be like a kind of like a sheet blanket type thing um, right at your uh, chest um, so that you are not seeing what's going on. And then, and, and again, most of our OBs, as soon as baby's born, they lift baby up so you can see. Um, they're going to clamp that cord. They're going to cut the cord and, you know, bring baby over there to you. Most of my clients get to hold their babies um, with the assistance of their um, spouse or uh, me. I've been in several C-sections as someone's doula. And so I'm helping them kind of baby resting on them and, and just getting that opportunity to connect and bond as, if baby's okay. Um, if baby's not okay, then they're taken over to the to the warmer where they can be assessed or, or suctioned or potentially taken to the NICU if there's a really big issue, which was the case for my son who was 27 weeks and his life was touch and go for an hour. So he's on a ventilator. So yeah, they, they took him away immediately. Um, so, you know, that part of it, again, if baby's okay, then you should be able to connect and hold and touch your baby after your baby's born um, from a C-section. Also, um, your spouse should be able to do skin to skin or hold that baby until they're done stitching you up and you're, you know, come back to recovery. And every hospital and their policies are a little bit different. Um, one uh, dad was able to hold his baby in the OR while they finished um, sewing mom up. But most of the time they're going to have, they're going to uh, usher the dad and the baby into the recovery room. And, you know, that's where they'll be holding baby or be a part of baby's assessment or weighing or whatever. And, you know, again, for different reasons, um, sewing a mom up, putting her back together, that, that takes the longest amount of time. And we want them to do that well. We want them to do that right. And then mom joins in the recovery room. And the recovery room is different from your the labor and delivery room that you were first entered into. It's it's small. Um, it may be divided by curtains and where other uh, patients are coming out of surgery as well. And so there's not a lot of privacy. Um, some hospitals have maybe a more private recovery room, but that's not typical. Um, and so you're in there with other people and, and, and there's a lot that needs to be done after surgery. But you know, we, this mom is also trying to hold her baby, connect with her baby, breastfeed her baby. And so um, all of those things could potentially be difficult. Everybody responds differently to surgery. And some of my clients are throwing up. Some of my clients are shaking uncontrollably. Some of them are just exhausted and they cannot keep their eyes open. Some of them are totally alert, feel great, hold their baby, have a conversation. You don't know. We just don't know how you'll respond to surgery and that's okay. Um, Everybody's a little bit different. And then you'll be well to the uh, postpartum wing where you'll be cared for by your labor and delivery nurse and a pediatrician will come in and assess baby and your doctor will come in and assess you. And so that's kind of the layout um, of how it goes. And if it's a scheduled C-section, um, we had a client with a scheduled C-section. She originally hired us because she had had a C-section and she wanted a VBAC. VBAC means vaginal delivery after a cesarean. And a va uh, literally vaginal birth after cesarean. That's VBAC. Um, but then baby was breech. And her hope was that baby would turn. And so there are some different um, things that you can do. Um, do your research. Talk to your caregiver first, please. Um, there's one particular uh, 
group called the Spinning Babies. Man, they're really fabulous. Look them up if you're needing your baby to turn, if your baby's in a bad position, if your caregiver is okay with you trying some of these things. Some of them are kind of drastic. But the hope is to get baby head down, right? And breach can mean several different things. Well, this particular client, um, her baby was breech, and um, she just did not, as her pregnancy went on, she just... Uh, felt less and less peaceful about moving forward with like an inversion or trying to get baby to turn. She just, just didn't have a piece about it. And so she was like, you know what? We're going to just schedule a C-section. That is what I feel. I feel good about that. I don't feel good about the other. I'm, I'm stressed about the other. So I was like, great, let's do it. And so I met them at the hospital that morning continued to help her prepare mentally for what was about to happen. She's already had a C-section. This is a much different feeling because the first one was an emergency. She's trying to have a, a natural birth and it didn't happen. This one is because baby's breech, right? And so anyway, this baby, um, she, she has her baby. They do the cesarean. They bring baby in there to dad. And I'm in there with him while they're finished stitching up mom. And this baby, the doctor comes out and she goes, okay, this baby was literally <laughs> presenting but... Okay, so where your head, where the head is supposed to be to be born, the baby's butt was there instead. And so the baby's folded in half. Can y'all see this? Their baby's feet are up by his ears, essentially. He has been this way for months. Y'all babies are crazy. Oh my gosh, how, how they actually had this stories in my book. And he, he won the uh, contortionist award this baby did. And so he's... We, we go over to look at him, and we kind of pull the blanket down to kind of look at him, and he's holding his foot. His leg is totally straight. He's still folded in half, you guys. He's holding his foot by his little face. And so we'd start cracking up, and so we, like, tried to change his diaper, put put his little leg down, and then immediately popped right back up to his head. And he, like, grabbed hold of that thing. He was not going to let go of it. That baby, no. That baby was not going to turn. <laughs> and... It would have been difficult for that baby folded in half, even if he had come head down. It would have been head and feet because he had been folded in half for such a long time. He probably was not going to straighten for birth. That would have been really dangerous. So why am I bringing this up? Because I'm super proud of this mom for recognizing and knowing that, you know what? I've thought about this. I've prayed about this. This is what my original plan was, but I no longer have a piece about that original plan. This is what I feel like I need to do. And she was 100% right. And so supporting these, these people in our lives that are feeling like, and thinking, no, 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 this is what is best for me. Um, listening to those caregivers, Hey, let's not push the envelope and get all the way to this emergency situation. Let's, let's go get baby. Baby is still healthy. Baby is still good. Um, there's lots of reasons, okay? So I'm hoping that after hearing this, that any of you that have had a C-section and maybe you feel like you failed, um, that there's something wrong with you, um, that your body didn't do what you want, like you're not strong enough or something, can I just say that is so far from the truth? You did not fail. There is nothing wrong with you. Your body did not fail. Your birth is not less than a vaginal delivery. Um, this is just the path. This was just your particular journey. And there's so many reasons to be thankful. Um, 
you hopefully after your C-section um, that could have potentially been an emergency, hopefully you took a baby home with you, a healthy baby, um, and you're healthy. Um, hopefully that was the scenario. And if it wasn't, if it did not end well, I'm really sorry. I really am. Um, trauma is, man, that's tough. And the loss of a child, I cannot imagine, honestly. And, and we've had clients that have lost their babies and, you know, I'm not the mom. I was just the doula and it was torture, you know? And so, so much, um, grace and peace and prayers for you guys in that. So perspective, right? If you did have a C-section, you were not happy with the fact that you did, but you brought a baby home and you're okay and baby's okay. And you were heard, you were listened to. It's just, this is what your body or your baby or your birth dictated. And it's going to be okay, you guys. It's going to be okay. And if you feel like you really need to process that a little bit more, like you, you recognize, I got to hang up here and I'm not really sure what my issue is. And you need to process that. I am now, because I have seen the benefits of helping moms process their birth after they have babies, uh, this postpartum processing um, opportunity. And I'm now offering those postpartum processing sessions. You can go to my website, my deal and find it there. And man, it's been really exciting to see um, these mamas come and start uh, the conversation in one place. And then after this conversation, be able to put it in a really good place and feel differently about it, look at it differently, maybe grieve or cry some, about something they didn't realize they needed to release something or completely change how they think about it. Or maybe there was something they didn't see and now they do. And so if that's you and you're like, I could really benefit from that. And, you know, being able to process with a birth doula who has seen this many, 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 many times, I'm approaching like 300 births or something like that. I can, I can identify and I can help and I can help you process in a way that maybe someone else who doesn't attend births, maybe I can help you process in a different way. Um, because I probably know and understand exactly what you're talking about. So anyway, if that's something that you feel like you'd benefit from, then great. And if you are someone who is facing a potential, um, planned C-section, or if you are worried about having a C-section, I'm hoping that this episode can help you take a deep breath and embrace your situation and your scenario. And if you know that the people in your life, your caregiver, your loved one um, is for you and this is what's best for you and your baby, then I'm hoping you will land in a spot that maybe is a little bit more positive than what you thought it might be. Maybe it doesn't have to be as negative and traumatic as you think it's going to be. That is my hope for you guys. That is my prayer for you guys. Um, so I know this topic is a little bit different from what I'm used to talking about, but again, felt like it would be necessary because I have also gone through a C-section and I know um, what all I didn't know. Hey, thanks for joining me on Game Day, Birds Not Balls. You can follow me on my Instagram page at MyDoulaMica. You can also find me on WacoDoula.com, WacoDoula is on Facebook. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe or you can find us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. This 
has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Podcast.